Welcome back to The Backmarkers. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello, hello. What uh, interesting environments we have now found ourselves in. (laughs) Well, you're in a new environment. So for people that aren't watching the video, you're recording from your studio for the first time. Yes. So obviously last year when we were doing every single episode, I had to have the home set up, right? Like I was not yep. going to come to the office at 5 a.m. after the Azerbaijan Grand Prix or something. But now that we're actually setting our own schedule, I get to use all of our fancy studio lighting and you get to help me um, set up all the back end stuff and make sure it works before mm-hmm. we hit the record button. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we had quite a few listeners reach out and ask us throughout parts of the season where our episodes were, which was very funny to me because my response was always, you clearly have not listened to the episode we made where we told you that we would be recording on an ad hoc schedule. And I will say I have been able to enjoy the racing for what it is more this year because we haven't had to be like super focused on like where I'm going to be. So like I'm getting ready to go to California next week and there's going to be a race when uh, when I wake up early in the morning, but I don't have to worry about making sure that I've got OBS installed on my MacBook Pro to record with you straight away. So, But I'm enjoying the season for what it is, and that's what we're going to talk about uh, in the episode today. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the season, and then I want to kind of review at this point how we think the teams and drivers are going, and we will pick it up again later on at different points of the season. I think it might be a fun way to do these more sporadic episodes that we're doing this year. So we are, I mean, honestly, how many races has it even been? I know there was meant to be more than there has been. I think technically four? Four, five? I think we were supposed to be. Five. Five. Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, Australia, Azerbaijan, Miami. Yeah, and then Monaco will be, as of recording the podcast, this weekend. Next, yeah. So five races into what was a 23, now probably 22 race calendar. What is your feeling so far about the season? I mean, I think the big splashy headline is, of course, Red Bull have just completely walked away from everyone. I mean, I think it's, it's a very clear that they've got this thing. I mean, we're five races in, and it would take something very shocking for Max and Checo to not just completely walk away with it. Like, I think at this point, it's almost a foregone conclusion that their car has just... They, I think we're smart because at this point, when you look at you know the big three teams and technically big four now that Aston has kind of made such a big leap, it's clear that all three, Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes, were pretty much just carrying over their 2022 cars and just sort of further refining their concepts. And what we've seen is, is that you know Ferrari took a step. Mercedes are, I mean, obviously we've seen for this, actually this weekend's race is the first time they're about to take a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had tried to persevere with the zero side pod concept. And then we've got Red Bull who have just been absolute machines and just refined and refined and turned what was already the best car even better. So it's interesting because it does feel like it's sort of like we had some interesting trajectories at the end of last year. You know, it wasn't quite just Red Bull absolutely walking away with it. There's a little bit of like glimmers of hope from Mercedes. But then uh, you gave them the offseason. They comes back and go, oh, by the way, yeah, our car that was really great. It's even faster now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of where I am of it too, where I've just accepted the Red Bull dominance and it's not really what I'm focused on now. Like, I have like a couple of things that I'm really interested in uh, because so far I feel like it's been pretty fair to say Red Bull is dominant. Max, not completely. Like, he, yeah. he most of the time is, is running away with it, but Sergio. 
I think he's pulling out to be... I mean, we're only a few races in, right? We have so many more to go. It is not impossible to imagine Sergio actually mounting a challenge against Max Verstappen, I feel like, at this point. They seem to be, in certain tracks, pretty evenly matched or otherwise. You know, like when it comes to street circuits, so I'm intrigued for this weekend in Monaco. Sergio yeah. shows Especially what he's really year. good at, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so... That's an intriguing thing to me uh, in the time that I've been watching the sport. No Red Bull teammate has been able to come close to Max. And I think Sergio has. We'll look at that in a little bit more detail in a little bit. I think so for me, what I'm really interested in is the kind of the middle section of mm. the of the races right now. Like what, what is I say middle, but it's like what is like two to six and what's going on there. Like that has been really interesting to me. Um, having Aston do what they've done this year is Amazing. very intriguing, very intriguing. And I, I'm, I, I remain cautiously optimistic about what their future might hold. Um, so like they just announced, uh, Honda, right. As their yes. new engine supplier from 2026. Cause 2026 is when the next revisions are going to happen. Um, the new rules, the new regulations, and a lot of it is around engines. I actually didn't know this, but I think sooner than that, if not already, like coming up very quickly, there are going to be cost caps for engine supply as well. Yeah, Did you know so that? I, I, I've heard bits and pieces. I don't know the exact details. I know that they are slowly phasing in cost caps in as many areas as they can. Although I think the one thing that has still been carved out are those sort of like the, the driver salaries, or, you know, the, your, most, your uh, handful of most paid employees. It's interesting to see. I think Aston are absolutely the only reason why 2023 is not a snooze fest. Like I, I just like the fact that they have come up in such a big way. Talk about a redemption arc for Fernando, absolutely crushing it. Third, third, fourth, third, like it just absolutely just destroying it and just so consistent. So on top of it. And I completely believe that if they keep up this sort of run of form, that all it takes is a little tangle, something to go wrong with Red Bull, whatever. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of races there. Uh, I'm personally like, man, Fernando wins a race this year. I would be so about it. Like I think this it's going to happen. So uh, kind of going back to your point earlier about how it's uh, our, our experience of watching this season has been a little different where we're not doing that sort of initial like sort of uh, reaction after every single race and, you know, uh, I think for me, it's allowed me to kind of settle in a little bit and actually kind of pick sides. Last year, I felt like I had to be so neutral. I had to be like, oh, you know, every, everyone's You fair. were the Switzerland of Formula One last I, year. I was. I was the Sauber Grand Prix of Formula One. Mm -hmm. Wait, no, that's probably not a great analogy. Uh, yeah, but uh, this year, I think I've picked my sides, and I am firmly on two drivers' camps this year, both of which I am rooting to do something Fernando is just, I mean, he's an absolute just, you know, a force of nature. And I'm out here for Yuki. I've decided that Yuki, this is the year I'm supporting huh. my boy. I want Yuki to do well. He is coming into the season with such a massive chip on his shoulder. You know, I mean, obviously the DeVries situation last year where he had that one stand-in race with Williams, got points. I mean, I think at that point, he was the flavor of the month. Everyone wanted to sort of have Nick on their team. And you think about Yuki, who had had two promising but less than spectacular years at AlphaTauri. There was an enormous amount of pressure, right? Like it was one thing to go against, uh, you know, Pierre, who is a, an established, very, very quick uh, racer. But you know, you have Nick coming in, and I, I, at the beginning of the season, I was worried. Like if he did not absolutely destroy Nick, he was probably not going to have a drive. Like I, that was just kind of the mm -hmm. way it felt. 
And he has done exactly that. He has absolutely just made Nick DeVries look like a amateur, um, which is impressive for a dude who has a CV like winning Formula 2 and Formula E. And, you know, he's been around for so many years. So for me, those are kind of like some of the biggest sort of stories of this uh, of the season. It's like Red Bull. Yeah, okay. I would love to see Checo win. I would love to see Checo, you know, making an actual fight with Max. I don't ultimately think he'll be able to sustain a title challenge for that long, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping. But for me, it's all about, like, I want to see Fernando win a race. I want to see Yuki try to score points in what is clearly one of the worst cars on the grid um, and just see, like, what the just constant nonsense is with Ferrari and with, with uh, Mercedes. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a little underwhelmed so far this season because of the gaps in the calendar. Yeah. Like th- yeah. there were some gaps that they that occurred. I think the first one was because there was no China Grand Prix, so that caused the gap. But it feels like we still haven't actually gotten started. And then <laughs> this was supposed to be the time, right? Three races back to back, but unfortunately, because of the absolutely horrific uh, flooding going on um, in the Imola region, they had to cancel the Grand Prix, which is one hundred percent the right move to go on. Yes. Um, but now it means that the triple header we were going to have is now a double header. So like it feels like it's just like the season has just been kind of like lumbering along really yeah. slowly. Plus, I mean, I don't. I've been seeing a lot of people say this. I don't know if it's accurate or not. I don't know if maybe just the tracks haven't allowed. I'm not sure. I've been seeing a lot of criticism that the changes that they made to the cars this mm. year to assist with the porpoising has meant that the cars can't race as close together as they had been last season. I don't know what effect this is actually. Um, I am in the camp of if this was done to protect the safety of the drivers and their long-term well-being, I think it was the right thing to do. But it's maybe... It's, this is like a combo of maybe the racing isn't as exciting. Maybe the tracks that they've been on, I actually think aren't the most exciting ones anyway so far. And it's taken us so long to get to what is going to be the sixth race of the season. Yeah. Where we're like, we're like three months in and we're into race six. Yeah, yeah. To me, I think it's, it's got to be a mixture of a bunch of factors, right? I agree. I think the fact that they had to like raise the floor by, like I think, 15 millimeters or something like that is making a difference. I also think there's just the simple fact that this season is not as competitive as last year. You know, I mean, you think back to you know, five, six races in, uh, Leclerc was still in the lead of the championship at that point, right? And we all the know cars how that were ended. much closer at this point. It really felt yes. like it was a three-horse race for the world championship, potentially, right? Like That's yeah. kind of where we were at that point. Yeah. And I think this year, uh, it's clearly not. I mean, I think it's just the development war has just been won for this year by Red Bull. The other thing I think is worth talking about is that the cars, I mean, of course, there's the spirit of the regulations, which is to, you know, enable better overtaking and better racing. But also every team has a mandate to make the car as fast as possible. And you better believe that those two goals are at odds. You know, you, you've got to know that every time Red Bull get a little bit extra downforce or whatever, it's probably throw a little bit more dirty air. And the side uh, sort of downside here is that I know last year people had kind of complained a little bit about how strong DRS was because there was no real historical data on what these cars would do. And so I think coming into 2023, the FIA have shortened a lot of these DRS zones, which I think has sort of exacerbated the problem. I think they sort of went in the wrong direction with the DRS just as the cars are becoming more difficult to sort of follow. So to me, it's a confluence of a bunch of things all together, which... Uh, ultimately, I think if Ferrari were as fast as Red Bull, it probably wouldn't seem quite as bad as it is. But you know, you've know, got races like Azerbaijan, in which nothing really happened. And that was a track that has traditionally given us a lot of action. I think it's easy why people are kind of getting a little, uh, little grumpy about it. 
Yeah, it's a shame. Azerbaijan is one of my favorite races on in the season. I just love the way it looks. Like I, yeah. I just think as as a street circuit, it is it's a beautiful street circuit that you know the one of my favorite corners in all of the entire calendar is the one where they go around that castle. Mm-hmm. And then you have the wild runoff area corner in Azerbaijan yeah. as well, where yep. things always go bananas. This year we were treated to the lone wheel of Yuki Sonoda, <laughs> right? Just like yeah. rolling along the track on its own. One of my favorite shots we've ever seen. Just like we had no idea anything had happened. Camera cut, there's a wheel. Like, ah. So <laughs> things happened here. Wrong. So I would say Azerbaijan had its moments. But it wasn't yeah. the overall good race that it could have been. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where we are right now. I want to dig in now to every team. And we can talk yes. about the performance of them and the drivers against each other. But we're going to welcome a new sponsor to the show. So, are you ready to time me for our first pit stop of the season I am so ready. far? I'm ready. My wheel guns have been fired up. I've got the Netflix sound effects that I'm ready going to throw in here. Yes. All right. I'm ready when you are. Okay. Starting in three... Two, one. This episode of The Backmarkers is brought to you by Bitdefender, a global leader in cybersecurity. In the world of Formula One racing, every millisecond counts, and cybersecurity is no different in stopping attacks. Just like a driver needs a helmet for protection, using a device without proper protection can lead to serious consequences. When it comes to protecting your digital life, you want the best security possible, and that's exactly what Bitdefender provides. Bitdefender is a company that's driven by a mission for top performance in technology and innovation, and they put their customer needs first and foremost. As a global leader in cybersecurity, Bitdefender has recognized time and time again for its committed commitment to excellence. They've been recognized for this. They've won numerous awards for their innovative solutions and dedication to customer satisfaction. Plus, they're trusted by millions of people around the world to keep their digital lives safe and secure, all while constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible in the world of cybersecurity. What sets Bitdefender apart is their focus on innovation and technology. They're always at the forefront of new developments in cybersecurity, working tirelessly to stay ahead of the latest threats. They use advanced machine learning algorithms to detect and block all kinds of threats in real time, and they provide multi-layered protection that keeps you safe from all kinds of online threats, including zero-day attacks. If you want to protect your digital life with the best security possible, trust Bitdefender. Their leadership in cybersecurity is underpinned by a desire to serve customer needs first and foremost. Head to bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender to learn more about Bitdefender and find out about the best cybersecurity solution for you. That's bit.ly slash discoverbitdefender. Go there right now. Our thanks to Bitdefender for their support of this show and Relay FM. Time, one fifty-two. I gotta say, okay. I am a huge fan of Bitdefender and I've been friends with them for many years on the channels I know you have as well. Uh, man, they got the thesaurus out for that uh, ad read. That was a tough one. That was like, you came in, you had, yep. like, you had the double stack. Like They didn't make that one easy for you. <laughs> no, they didn't. And I will say this was bad preparing for me. It's the first time I've read that ad. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> I, as I start, and I was like, oh no, I haven't read this one before. <laughs> Usually I'll like go in and read it a couple of times, but I hadn't. So Bitdefender, appreciate you. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next time. Um, man, I am excited for this season, man. So where do you want to start? Because there's a, well, there's a whole lot of drivers, a whole lot of teams to talk about. I think we should go team by team. And I okay. think to make this the most interesting it could be, we'll start with the bottom. Okay. 
because if we start with talking about Sergio and Max, we might be there for a while. So <laughs> we will start with Williams. So at Williams this year, we have the pairing of Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. How are you feeling about the two of them so far this year? Sargent is currently sitting in 19th. He's one of the two zero-point scorers. Alex Albon, one point. So it's weird. Uh, going into it, obviously, Williams has this multiple-year kind of reputation as being sort of the, the true backmarkers uh, on the grid. I don't know how much that one point is really representative of how they've done this year. I actually think yeah. that they've been making some progress. I, I think that there have been some times, especially Alex has had some tremendous qualifying performances. Obviously, it's a lot more difficult to convert that. But I would say that they've got one point, but they've got one point because they really haven't been lucky. Like, even yeah. a little bit of something would have helped. And actually, same thing with Sargent. Like, honestly, like... I know that going into this season, he was not Williams' number one pick. Um, I think there's a lot of talk that Nick DeVries probably maybe would have grabbed that seat. Who knows? But it's like one of those things where as someone who has a decent track record, but maybe not the, the Sterling CV of some of the, you know, the true superstars like the, the Landos and the Georges and whatnot, I actually think that he's doing a very respectable mm-hmm. job. Um, you know, not, not flawless. I know he's had a couple issues here and there, but for a true rookie... Honestly, yep. I just think Williams, they deserve, I think, to be maybe a little higher. And it's just that they haven't had a whole lot of luck. It's just been like sort of that one point that Alex, you know, hard fought for. But other than that, I will say that I'm seeing some glimmers of hope out of Williams. Maybe not to make a huge leap like Aston did, but at least to maybe claw themselves out of that sort of 10th place. Maybe trying to start consistently getting some years in 8th place or maybe 7th place or something like there's, there's There's signs of hope. How do you, how do you feel about them? Yeah, I think that by the end of the season, Williams won't be lost. I I, I don't think that. I think that they have shown... I think Alex Albon has been driving the hell out of that car, and he is is having a better season than one point suggests. I think that you say his qualifying has been super good. He's had some bad luck. They've had some DNFs, I think, um, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, And I just think that Alex is doing really well. I've been really impressed with the team's communication. You know, the one, I don't follow every team on social media, but I do follow Williams. And I've been really enjoying like the, you know, new team principal, James Val's kind of the way he's talking about the team. And like, he's being, I think, very honest and saying like, this track is good for us. This track is not good for us, you know. And I think that the Williams is a fast car. Yeah. In a straight line. Yeah. Like it looks good. Um, And I will say, while he's sitting on zero points right now, Logan Sargent, I have been, he has been the rookie I have been most impressed with so far this year. He has yep. not performed the best, but he has outperformed my expectation Agreed. way more. Like, I thought we were going to get a Mazepin with him, right? <laughs> because Sargent, unlike the other rookies we see, unlike a DeVries, unlike a Piastri, Sargent did not have that like glittering F2 career mm-hmm. before coming to F1. Like We were talking about it at the end of last season. He just sneaked his way into his super license. Yep. And so I was thinking that you know, based on the, what we are told and what we see from other people, that like to be able to do this, you need that like 
You've got to have that driving pedigree behind you. You've got to have picked up a win. And, you know, you look at like a Piastri, right, where everyone's like, Piastri's going to be the second coming because he had like, you know, he won this and he won that and he yeah. won this. You yeah. know, and Logan did not have that. So I've actually been really surprised with him. I think he's done a good job and he seems like he is settling in so far the best he can. And I would love to see him pick up a point or two before the end of the year. But I think that my feeling on on Williams clawing out of that bottom spot, I think, sits on Albon. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, Alex has clearly proven himself to be probably a better driver than that car. Uh, really, you can get out of that. Um, but that being said, how many times do we see George perform minor miracles with the, mm -hmm. the older Williams, right? I think it's like... And that's what I'm expecting from Albon. I'm yeah, expecting a George-like performance from him because, yeah. you know, George is a fantastic driver. We'll get to him later on. But Alex is really great. Like he's a very, yes. very good driver and has proven that on many occasions. I don't know how he stacks up against George Russell realistically, like today, but I know that he is more than close enough to where George is, to where Logan is, if that makes sense. In, in, yeah. In, so like I, I expect good him to be able to, you know, like he's the best person to sit in a Williams outside of George Russell in years. Right, I agree. So I totally agree. I would like to start uh, talking about Alpha Tauri. Mm -hmm. By, by you mean talking... my boy Yuki? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I want to kind of go back to Drive to Survive. Okay. Nick DeVries set himself up real bad. <laughs> he was on Drive to Survive, and then the whole lead up of the season. I'm not a rookie. That was his whole thing. I'm not a rookie. Oh, Nick DeVries. There are already rumors about... I mean, I don't know if I believe them, but it's the sharks are circling around Nick DeVries. Yep. And we are five races in. He mm. has done a combination of nothing to <laughs> bad. Like, but, that's, but that has been his season so far. Like, yeah. he has either not gotten anything of note or he has just absolutely destroyed the car. Like there just kind of hasn't been a middle ground. And yeah. I feel for him because I had high hopes for him. Like, you know, what my prediction was that a rookie will outperform, uh, one of my predictions, right? A rookie will outperform his teammate. And I had my eyes on Nick DeVries for this. That was who I was had my eyes on. Yeah. And I hope that he's able to pull it together. But so far this season, he's been really disappointing. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I obviously it's tough. I mean, you know, from the outside, you know, you can say this, that, and he's clearly quick, but he's quick in that kind of raw, like almost overdriving the car kind of thing. And I, I will say there's probably a little bit of it uh, in that the Alpha Tower seems like it might just be the worst car on the grid this year. I mean, it just seems like it's difficult to. It's not fast. It's difficult to drive. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, even Franz tossed the Alpha Tower team principal. I mean, he laid into the engineer saying, oh, yeah, they lied to me. They said the car was better. It's not. And it's like, whoa. Like, it's clear that there's a lot of pressure going on in the team. It's clear there's obviously some team principal changes coming to the team as well, assuming that they get all the Ferrari stuff sorted out. But I will say all of this is just solidifying in my mind. Yuki has got a future, man. I just, I believe in the dude. He is uh, actually made real, tangible, actual progress in his driving and almost more importantly in his sort of decision-making, right? He's not putting his car in the dumb places that would get him in trouble like he did last year or the year before. He's not overdriving at the point where he's wiping out, obviously, you know, not in every single race, but mm -hmm. he's 
consistently pulled out. He's pulled out a couple of tenth place uh, positions out of a car yep. that really had no business being anywhere near there. And I think that if he was not stepped up in this kind of way, I don't think you would see the same kind of attention on Nick DeFries that you do now. But basically what we're seeing is a Yuki 2.0 doing everything he can and being a superstar and a Nick DeFries who, uh, like you said, came in with all the expectation in the world, all the confidence and is finding that to not be warranted right now. And look, man, yeah. we know Red Bull. We know how they operate, you know. Uh, maybe he won't get dropped mid-season, but I think it's pretty clear that if he does not massively step his game up, he certainly doesn't have a seat for next year. And I don't think it's unreasonable that if he continues the way he's doing right now, that mid-season break, uh, they're, they're going to toss him. Like, I completely believe that, I mean, it, it, it's Red Bull we're talking about, right? Like, I mean, how many times have we seen this over and over and over again? If you're not performing, you are dropped and out of there. And they got Danny Rick. They got him. Just they hanging do. around. I, I, Whether they would put I, him in, I don't yeah. know. But he's right there. He's right there. You know? He's, I'm sure, happy to do it. I, I don't think it would be the right move to bring Danny Rick in. But hey, you know what? Who knows? I don't think so either because he's clearly not their long-term prospect, right? Yeah. He just isn't. I, think he's I just love there. Danny Rick, but he isn't. Right? Yeah. Like it, it, that, that seat in that car... For as long as Red Bull won it around, right? There were all these rumors that they might be trying to offload AlphaTauri mm -hmm. anyway. But yeah. for as long as they want AlphaTauri around, that seat is expected to bring them the person that they put in the Red Bull car, right? That will either replace yeah. Sergio or replace Max. He's been making these weird comments about retiring. Have you been hearing these? You know what? Here's the thing about Max. I could see him pulling some weird Nico stuff. I, I could actually see Max just being like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm done. Like, I know he has a contract for I understand two it. more years or something. I do yeah, too. Like, if you like, win two world yep. championships, yep. I mean, three. <laughs> you, you don't have to break the records. Like, why? You know, yeah. To, to, you don't have to win eight of them. Like, you don't have to do that. Like, yep. There isn't really a reason for it. Once you've done it, realistically, the only way statistically is down, right? <laughs> like, once you yep. win one, statistically, you you will not you will start to not win right like that's just how history dictates you can't win forever red bull is clearly on a different path right right now and yeah. he's gonna win another one you would expect mm, of course. um but like i would understand he wins this season and maybe you know how long did you, how long did you say he has on his contract so I, I believe he has this year plus two i don't know that for sure okay. i know he still has a couple of years on his contract left I could imagine it. But anyway, like, or maybe he's just like, whatever. He doesn't know what he wants to do. But yeah. they're going to have to put someone in Red Bull at some point. The Alpha yep. Tauri seat is like the perfect place to do it. It is the best experience possible. You are on the F1 grid. Like, this is yep. a thing that they have that is kind of unique, right? Yeah. I'm trying to, right? Because everybody else has links. But Red Bull actually own this team. Own the team, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Uh, friends tossed, uh, is just like, oh, I have to find my driver. Okay, like I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'm excited for Yuki. Uh, and also, there's some rumors because obviously Yuki's seat has been funded uh, in some or large part by Honda uh, the whole time he's been there. There's been some talk that maybe Honda may want to have Yuki come across over to Aston Martin when they get that engine deal. Um, I don't know exactly what the terms of that are or how much sway Honda really have. They're making a lot of noise like, oh, of course, you know, we think Yuki has so much potential, but it's ultimately Aston Martin's call, which sounds like PR speak for, hey, you want your engines this year? Uh, kick Lance out of the car. Not, not, not going right, that but far. Then, but see, this is the problem with Aston Martin. 
Let's jump ahead real quick and just talk about that one little thing, and we'll talk about actual sure. current Aston Martin in a bit. Yeah. That potential future of Aston Martin, right, is what they're saying is we want to win, right? Mm-hmm. But now what that's saying is our driver lineup is Lance Stroll and Yuki Tsunoda. Love them both. Yeah, that that's, is not it. That's, that's not it. Not it. I agree. I agree. Right? Like, if you want to win, realistically, what you need is a world champion. Like, that's... Mm-hmm what you need like that will give you that jump right you already have one will he still yeah. be around in 2026 i don't know right like, maybe <sighs> but i don't know that's yeah, a long a way off still it's a long way off it's a long way off yeah i i, I think there's a shot that fernando's still uh, driving in 2026 but i don't think i would put money on it <laughs> it's a, right because it's a, i would see yeah. at that point you know maybe you would want a Charles Leclerc, right like an yep. aston martin right like you know maybe by that point he's picked up a world championship but even if he hasn't He's effectively world championship material, Orlando. right? So, like, I feel like you'd be safe. Orlando, right? Like, someone yeah. like that. Yeah. I love Yuki. and Maybe he'll surprise us. Maybe, you know, who knows what the next few years have ahead of him. But I also still continue to question the Lance Stroll decision in the sense yeah. of, I think he's doing all right right now. I, I do. My question is not the typical question that people have. Which yep, is like, yep. should he that be there? Stroll. My question is, will he keep him? Because Lars Stroll is a businessman. At some yep. point, with the amount of money he's putting in, if he can have <laughs> two people in his car that will guarantee him a world championship, would he do it? How much does he love his son? I don't know. Yeah, look, uh, this is a question that uh, only Lawrence Stroll only one man can answer. There's only one man yeah. can answer this question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I, weird. I genuinely don't know. I think at a certain point he's going to make that decision, but I don't know how far away we are from it. Yeah. Uh, Alfa Romeo, for me, Alfa Romeo, the most forgettable team of the season so far. Like, yeah, six points. I don't know how they got them. Like, genuinely, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, yeah, it's it, it's really interesting. I feel like I we're not really seeing much of them. Um, we've got. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu on two points, uh, Valtteri Bottas on four points. I will say they're Valtteri in a bad is, spot. I think Valtteri is actually like worrying me a little bit here. Like there have been one, I think maybe two weekends where he just had no pace and no explanation for why. Um, I think uh, Zhou has clearly taken a step. You know, it's his second year. I think he's doing fine. Not particularly amazing, but he's he's doing fine. But yeah, I. I you got to imagine if you're Audi and you're sitting there, you know, with your master plan to have, you know, the full works Audi F1 team here in 2026. And you're looking at where this Sauber team is right now. And you've got to just be thinking like, what is this project? Like how deep are we really going to be? Uh, I mean, obviously I think there's a lot of potential for Audi to unload a giant pile of money inside the cost cap as they can to try to revitalize this team. But it feels like they've had a couple of good weekends, as has Haas, that seem like maybe some kind of like, oh, this is good track for Ferraris or whatever the case is. But like outside of that, yeah, forgettable is, I think, a great way of putting it. I think if these guys were last in the championship right now, I don't think anyone would be surprised. I think they've just had a couple no. of sort of semi-lucky races or just a couple of races that the track really sort of stood the car. And other than that, I think Shao Kuan Yu's put in some decent performances. I've been pleased with his yeah. racing this year. When I look at Alfa Romeo right now, I look at a team on autopilot. Like they know what their future mm-hmm. is. Everybody knows what their future is. And yeah. 
probably nobody in any key position thinks that they're going to be there in 2026. The drivers, Oof. the team principal, everything, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Audi's going to come in and they're going to clean house, right? You would expect. Like, this is effectively, they're buying their way into the grid. But, like, yeah. you've got to, like, I assume a lot of the rank and file, a lot of the technical team will probably stick around. But, like, yeah. if you're Jacques on you, if you're Valtteri Bottas, do you think you're going to be there? I mean, that's a great point. You, uh, probably not. Uh, I mean, obviously, we've got several more years to go. I mean, 2026 isn't that far away, but, like, it's enough it's far time enough. that a lot of... It's far enough that, that, that no one is guaranteed or very few people on the grid are guaranteed, you know, three more years or whatever of racing. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, I've got high hopes, uh, but it's just it's not a project that looks like it's to it's going to shower itself with glory anytime soon. The way that Aston Martin has yep. been sort of relentlessly step, 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 step forward, whereas I think Audi are going to come in and they're going to have a little bit of a, a rude awakening for how exactly much work they really have to be remotely competitive. I mean, just look at Alpine, right? I mean, Alpine, mm -hmm. you would think, has been a works team for a number of years, has had all the advantages that you would think that they have and that should be working, and yet they're uh, showing up to every race, getting pointed to here, there, and that's it, right? And I think it's easy to imagine Audi living in a similar kind of world of, unless they have some kind of magic bullet or their power units, you know, way better than everyone else's or something that's kind of, kind of pulled them forward. This team is not looking impressive right now. No, and I, it's really interesting looking at the two years, right? This season, last season. I feel like Alfa Romeo from the beginning of last season to now have had the biggest fall. Yeah. Like well, you were, you were all in on Alfa, like thinking they're going to win the whole championship at one point, if I remember right. Like you, you were like Bottas yep. to the moon. I, I, I think I said that. Yeah, I, I did think I said that Bottas, uh, world champ, uh, beating Max Verstappen in 2022. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure you said, I said that. that. You were uh, excited about them, though. And lots of people were, because they, they were looking really, like, really tasty at the beginning of last yes. season. And it the, feels like they have had the harshest decline down to where they are now. It's well, I think part of that has been that uh, now we know that AlphaTauri were one of, if not the only team that were actually at the weight limit last year. Everyone else was overweight. So as the year went on, AlphaTauri didn't really like they they basically kind of stood still in a lot of ways whereas the other teams had Alfa Romeo very, or AlphaTauri which one do you Sorry mean? sorry Alfa Romeo thank you very much yeah, yeah Alfa Romeo yeah so they were under uh, they were at the you know minimum weight whereas all the other teams had 5 10 15 kilos of extra weight they were hauling around and throughout the year they were able to develop their way out of having to carry that extra weight which naturally just gave them performance everywhere right I mean weight's the enemy mm. of literally everything that's fast know that. so that makes yeah sense. so I think part of it is just they designed a really lightweight car last year, which flattered them. And when everyone caught up, it sort of showed, you know, what, what, what's that phrase? Like, uh, you only see who's swimming, who's uh, skinny dipping when the tide goes out or whatever. It's like, you never, you never know until. <laughs> <laughs> they were naked the whole time. We had no they idea. Were the whole time. <laughs> we'll talk about your boys. We'll go over to the US of A, Haas. Yeah. Eight points, seventh in the championship. Good for them. Good for them. Yeah. Um, I would say... Right now, the bottom four teams are all almost interchangeable to me as far as performances. I think Haas has probably on the whole had the fastest of this sort of group of cars, but it also has, I mean, some great qualifying performances, but I just think that we're still so early and there's still been so many times where they've just gone absolutely nowhere in the races that we're going to see maybe like by the summer break, a little bit of a better, like clear competitive picture. Because while I think Haas are looking all right right now, 
my gut is that they're maybe being slightly flattered by some luck, by some terrific performances by Nico, mm. which, I mean, shout out to Nico for coming back. And, you know, he had those super sub uh, uh, for... P11 right yeah. now. Nico Hulkenberg with six points. Yep, yep. Tied with Alcon, who obviously has a significantly faster car. But, I mean, we'll talk about Alpine in a second. Um, yeah, no, not a lot to say besides I'm happy to see Haas not... They've had a rough few years where they were kind of scrapping it out with Williams at the very, very bottom of the grid. And it seems like they're making progress. They're doing decently. And uh, the driver lineup has clearly been improved. I think a lot of people were a little upset that they had dropped Mick last year. And I think that uh, Nico has, without a shadow of a doubt, proven that that was the correct call. Yep. It is an interesting strategy that they've taken. Um, Haas have a real copy-paste mentality as a team, right? Like, they, they take... They take parts as much as they can. They replicate design as much as they can, right? And now it's like, oh, Magnuson worked. Let's just find mm. another one like him. Yeah. And it, I mean, it has worked out for them so far, and I think will this season, but I don't know if this is a long-term solution to the Haas situation. Yeah, yeah, it does kind of feel like Haas sort of live, uh, you know, meal to meal, race to race, season to season. Mm. I don't see a grand ambition. I, I mean, when was the last time you saw them say, oh, we want to be fifth or whatever? Like, I think they just were like, oh, we survived another year. Oh, Gene didn't kill the team. <laughs> Gene's Ooh. happy. I'll call Gene. And Gene's I'll call happy. Gene. Gene's like, good job, boys. And then Gunther's got a job for another year. Like, I, that, mm-hmm. it just seems like a... a <laughs> They're, they don't have a lot of ambition, but honestly, if their ambition is to survive as a race outfit, that's a still really they hard are. thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> they are, and they're doing it. Alpine Renault, 14 points. Mm. They are sixth in the standings. Uh, so and we have Esteban Ocon is in 12th with six points, and uh, Pierre Gasly is in, eight, is in 10th with eight points. This is not right. Alpine have had the worst season so far, in my opinion. Like, the fact that they are level on points with McLaren. McLaren have an awful car that is really, really, really slow. And Alpine have had, you know, they had the incident where the two drivers sort of took each other out. They've had bad pit stops. They would have got a serious points hole in that race as well if that would have happened. The only reason that's in fact that's the only reason why McLaren do have the points that they do is I think they had one lucky race where they scored almost all their points and they were like they're like fourth and sixth or something or whatever mm-hmm. it was but yeah just underperforming massively um, you know they've got their all French team they've got their all French lineup you know it's like you've got the story there and the excuses yep. have got to be gone like I mean and you yep. saw you know that their team principal uh, or sorry the CEO of of Alpine was just laying into the team of like this is unacceptable and it's like the pressure has to be a massive where they've just had, they have a fast car or at least, you know, compared to where they are, like they should be fifth place by a long shot. I understand they're not going to be able to be in fourth. You know, I'll ask them have taken that step, but like if, if you're in the Alpine team right now, that's not a happy place. Like I think they need to be fair. It's a long season. I think they will get lucky. I think they will have some sort of catch ups and whatnot, but like, man, it's, it's bad. Stuff. It's looking rough. Yeah, they, they've had one of the worst starts compared to where they should be. Yeah. Right, because you talk, we'll talk about McLaren now, fifth place on 14 points, so they're, they're tied on points. 
Yeah. Um, and we have, where are we? So we have uh, Oscar Piastri at 14th with four points. And we have uh, Lando Norris in ninth with 10 points. But the whole story around McLaren is that their car is trash. Yeah. Right? Like, it's effectively, it's a, it's a mean word to use, but everyone is just talking about how terrible their car is from top to bottom. You know, they're one of the teams yep. where Zach Brown wrote a public letter to the fans, you know, like, oh. you know, this is bad. Sorry, it's so bad. I don't understand what's happened here, realistically. Yeah. I don't, do they know, do you think? No. I, I and, and it's again, it's like another one of these like had a good season. Like you know, Lando was was making it happen last year, and something happened to their car over the break, and they could they they missed out, and now they are they are there are lots of teams with mixed up situations right now, and McLaren mm. are not one of the teams that seem yeah. to be suggesting that they have improvements coming that are going to make the car a lot better. Like, I remember, I think it was either the last race or the one before, they had an improvements package, and in the pre-race, they were asking Lando, you know, oh, you got the improvements, you expect him to, to make the car better? And he was like, no. <laughs> right? Oh, they, it's brutal. The, the, the improvements that they have are kind of seem to be like Band-Aids. They're not, yeah. not, a, not, a, not anything that's going to give them the performance they're looking for. That car seems like a nightmare to drive, and it is wild, you know. You look at, I would say, what I was saying before, because I was going to move on to Ferrari there before, sooner than we should have. Oscar Piastri has surprised yeah. me. He's done well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done. I mean, obviously, with all the contractual drama last year around him, I mean, he he had to do well, and I think he has. I think it's the story of McLaren is really they've got two good and excellent drivers, in my opinion. Um, so. <laughs> To tell the story of the season, right? So they are tied uh, with Alpine for fifth in the championship at 14 points. But out of that 14 points, they scored 12 of them in Australia. Like one race right. was almost their entire points haul. Imagine if they had had a race like Alpine in that race. They would be in like probably ninth, maybe eighth at this point. And I think they kind of deserve to be down there, right? Like I, I don't think And that McLaren, might tell the story of the rest of the season, Austin. Right? Maybe, yeah. maybe that's where we see them by the end of the season. They don't have this kind of luck again. It's it's just again it's easy on the outside to you know uh, point and go oh make your car faster but like there are real issues with this McLaren team you know like I mean they obviously I think all have the the memories of glory you know with you know back when they had Lewis and you know all the the terrific races they used to have but it's been a long time since they've been truly competitive I think there was a little bit of a false dawn over the last, you know, especially at the end of the last era before we got these ground effects cars where, you know, we saw Daniel win a race. We saw Lando should have won a race. Like they were pretty routinely the best of the rest, right? And uh, up there and able to sort of mix it up. But uh, I think there's some problems. I know that they've just changed a lot of their management structure and whatnot, but like McLaren is a team that if you are a McLaren fan, I uh, would like to send my condolences because I'm afraid it's going to be a little bit of a rough period. Like it's rough right now. And there's not like, I know there's all this talk about their new facilities and the wind tunnel and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure that will help, but there are no silver bullets in this, right? Like it's like sort of, you can slide down pretty easy if you make a bad decision, but it's difficult to make that ground up unless you are someone like uh, Aston Martin, who have clearly found a design and have absolutely optimized it. But I just, it's tough to see McLaren making that kind of step. It just seems like they're maybe off for a little bit more time in the wilderness. I'm worried about them, and I feel so bad for Lando because he deserves yeah. better than this. 
Lando Stop, Norris man. is better than this, and he has hitched his cart to that horse. Oh, yeah. Like five year deal. He should be at Red Bull, right? Like yeah. he should be at Ferrari. That's where he deserves to be, and he is he is stuck there now. And and I really hope that something can happen for Lando Norris and he can break out of of McLaren because he deserves better. Yeah, and I've heard the rumor is is that a lot of times when these drivers are signing, especially the really you know sought after drivers are signing these longer term contracts, they typically have a break clause, right? So like Max, I'm sure if Red Bull doesn't finish and the top two and the constructors whatever can dip or you know whatever the case is, yeah. Supposedly Lando has nothing. He is there. Oh, last- that's not what I hoped you were gonna say. I was yeah. hoping for some good news there. Nope, Lando. We mm-hmm. need somebody needs to get Lando's manager on the phone. Because yeah. we need to have a serious conversation about that. I get it. It's tempting to be sort of part of a long term uh, of a team. And you you want to be like the McLaren and guy, but like when they signed that deal, they were on the rise. You know, they, they were, they were yeah. having not an Aston like rise, but it felt close to that of like, oh, here we go, right? Like they're on the move, and then something's happened, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's that Oof. is very disappointing to hear. Yeah. So then we jump up to Ferrari in fourth place. We go from McLaren's 14 points to Ferrari's 78 points. is a huge, <laughs> huge difference right now. Yeah. And in Ferrari, we have Charles Leclerc at seventh place with 34 points and Carlos Sainz at fifth with 44 points. Ten points difference between them at this stage is quite significant, I think. It is. Leclerc's had a rougher season so far, right? I think he's lost some points. He's had some issues. I think on the whole of it, he has definitely been the stronger Ferrari driver. I think Carlos has struggled a few times in the races, not really been able to make up a lot. And I think that, you know, Leclerc obviously had a terrific weekend in uh, Azerbaijan, you know, a pole in the sprint and a pole for qualifying. I mean, that's a track that he's got history at, but he's incredibly, incredibly fast. But so, uh, Mike, there's a lot to talk about about Ferrari uh, and that they seem like they're maybe in some trouble just with how many uh, people are leaving from the technical side and, you know, the, the, the upper management. But can we talk about the whole Lewis and Ferrari thing? Because to me, that feels like it's the biggest smokescreen of Ferrari's having a bad season. They thought yeah. they could compete last year. They should have. I mean, if they were able to keep up, they really could have competed last year, but they obviously fell off. This year, they started off, and they're farther from the front. They've been leapfrogged by Aston. They're bleeding main personnel. You know, uh, all, the, all the people who are kind of being uh, part of the old Matteo Bonato reign are, are sort of slowly looking for the exit and trying to find escape hatches. To me, this rumor that uh, supposedly they've hit Lewis Hamilton with, I believe it was a $40 million contract for next year or something like that, mm-hmm. it just seems like a smokescreen. It just seems like they're trying to distract yeah. from their chronic underperformance. I think they're trying to show... So there was... Actually, just before we got on the call today, Lewis was asked about this in the press conference, and his Ooh, response was basically, the deal with Mercedes is pretty much done. It's a good so, answer. Like, his, his thing was like, my team's working on it. I don't work on the deals anymore. That was a distraction. And he said, my team and Toto were very close to getting a deal done. And like that's where he's, his focus is on the race, but he wants to get that deal done. And that's all it is. And, you know, maybe his team is now using this as leverage with Mercedes. Yeah. But there is, I, I would be flabbergasted 
if he took that deal. There is zero reason to take that deal. It doesn't make any sense no at sense. all. Right? Like, no sense. Mercedes are struggling, but they're still beating Ferrari right now. And I think they yep. probably will beat Ferrari. The hope is that they're aware of their situation now, Mercedes. They are maybe talking the most plainly out of any of the teams of like, no, we yep. messed up. And we know how we've messed up. Well, we yep. know. I don't think they necessarily know how to unmess up, but they know that what they, their concept was bad, right? And so they know yep. now, don't do another one of these next year. And so your hope is that over the next few years, they will rise up again and it makes sense. I kind of feel like Ferrari's done that. Like 2020, oh. 20, 2020 Ferrari was a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And then 2021 wasn't great. 2022, 2023 Ferrari, significantly better, but not to the level, right? Yeah. Like. Ferraris sometimes seems like their biggest issue is getting in their own way. This yeah. is like during the race weekend, and this is a mm -hmm. problem Mercedes have zero of, right? Like yeah. the issue that Mercedes has is mechanical right now, right? Mm -hmm. They do not have race strategy problems. And if anything, Mercedes 96 points is their race strategy because yeah. they have a w much worse car than Ferrari. There is, they should not be. Yeah beating ferrari right now yeah but it's, it comes down to driver performance and strategy for mercedes yeah so i, I think don't ferrari, think Lewis Hamilton's going to ferrari <laughs> no, no that, that story just made no sense to me at all like i get it you know obviously that all the stories that senna famously wanted to drive for ferrari at some point in his career and you know you can see some sort of uh uh analogies to you know maybe like like uh, michael schumacher's career where you know he won the championships at benetton he moved to ferrari he retired then he came back but didn't exactly cover himself with glory when he came back with Mercedes. You could imagine like Lewis being like, oh, you know what? You know, I'm the seven-time champ. If I really care, I'm going to show everyone that I can win, not at just McLaren, not at just Mercedes, but at a team like Ferrari and, you know, commit several years to try to fix that team. Because I'm sure if, if Lewis was tempted by that idea, he could probably make some stuff happen at Ferrari. I think he could probably help clean that team up, kind of give them a little bit of a, a backbone, galvanize the team around him. I don't think at this point in his career he cares. I don't think he wants it. If this is one of those things where it was his childhood dream to always drive for Ferrari and they're going to give him a giant pile of money and you know let him kind of have his way with the team, sure. But like, why would you do that? Why not just that hang out with Mercedes done. for a couple of years? Exactly. Like, yeah. has, has Lewis ever talked about he loves Ferrari? Like, I just don't think no. there's that sort of irrational, passionate, like, oh, Ferrari, F1, we've got to do it kind of thing in Lewis's head that some other drivers have had over the years. I, I my read, I, I don't know Lewis Hamilton, right? Neither of us do. But my read and what my expectation would be for him is he is with Mercedes until he retires, and yep. when he's retired, he's retired. Like I agree. I don't think he's going anywhere for a number mm -hmm. of years now. I, I just don't see that happening because he's yeah. still got the stuff, right? Like he has, yeah. and so there's zero reason for him to go anywhere. He wants that one more win, he may as well stick around with Mercedes for a couple of years to try and get it. If he does that, doesn't happen, and he still wants one more season in him in 2026 or 2027, maybe jump over to whoever's top, because whoever's top will take him, right? If you've got a seat and Lewis Hamilton comes to your door, you will put <laughs> Lewis Hamilton in that seat. You will get rid of anyone, right? Like, why wouldn't yeah. you? Like, of course. Because then you have, if you believe you have the car to win a world championship, 
you have the opportunity to put mm-hmm. the guy in the car to yeah. beat the all-time record, right? Here's the thing. It's just to me, Lewis is so synonymous with Ferrari, I mean, with uh, Mercedes at this point that I think his retirement is going to look like, oh, he's going to be an ambassador for Mercedes forever. He's probably going to you know, help work on the team. He's going to do all He'll this, do the Nicky Lauda thing, right? Exactly. Like He's going to do what he wants to do, and he will have earned that, right? So, yeah, I just think this feels, feels like it was a giant smokescreen by Ferrari so that they would have something positive to say versus just the nonstop beratement of everyone that Ferrari sucks and Ferrari sucks. Um, yeah, it just it, it did make sense. But Mercedes... I will say, while they're doing well, I think just like the story last year, their results and their points and what they've been able to accomplish is above what I think they really kind of deserve. I think they've really kind of made their own luck and sort of, like you said, they kind of forced it through with two excellent drivers, some excellently well-run team, some luck, but largely just like everything has kind of gone Mercedes' way this year. Like, kind of. Russell had a DNF, right? Uh, I believe, yeah, I think he actually had, uh, it was Russell or was it Lewis? I think it was Russell who had a, yeah, an actual, like, uh, an engine failure or something, didn't he? Which yeah, I think it was the first time failure. that happened. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I think that's one of the, the, the reasons that they're, because Russell is, I think Russell's having a better season again, but he is at sixth with 40 points and Lewis is at fourth with 56. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's telling the exact story of Mercedes this year. But yeah. as you rightly point out, Mercedes are not telling the story that anything makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think, you know, you know, you know me, everyone knows me by now, number one fan, Mercedes. And this is like, you know, it's great. I love this moment right now because I get to prove the fact that I'm not just like fan <laughs> of the number one team, right? Yeah. But like, I, I think that they are proving what they are as a team in being able to produce any of the results that they're able to produce right now. They should not be where they are. They should not be third. I mean, and they should not be third six points away from Aston Martin. Yeah, that is legitimately crazy. Like, that is legitimately crazy. Yeah. But they are managing that, and the way that Mercedes manage that is they have two drivers that bring it home. Yep by and large, week after week, right? Yes. We've had yes. some DNFs this year, which is a surprise for them. Um, but they are, that is what sets them apart. I think that they have the closest pairing in yep. skill and ability yep. in the car that they're in. And that means that they're able to just bring home those mid to high results week after week. Basically, exactly what they did last season they're repeating it this season, but the problem they have right now is Fernando Alonso. That's the problem yes. they have right now. Yes, and uh, can we talk about Aston, please? Because yeah, woo! this is super interesting. So yeah. Aston Martin second with 102 points. They are six ahead of Mercedes. Uh, 122 points away from uh, <laughs> Red Bull, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and we have Fernando Alonso at third place, 75 points. And then we have Lance Stroll with 27 points in eighth place. Eighth place. Mm. I would say Lance Stroll doing good. We'll talk about Fernando in a minute. Yeah. Lance is doing good. Lance is doing good. Yeah. He's not doing great. He's not doing bad. Lance Stroll, I think, at the moment, is exceeding the expectations that people have for Lance Stroll. 
Yeah, I don't know how much. And I can I've always give said this of- about Lance Stroll. Uh, I think Stroll is a better driver than people expect him to be. I think he's showing himself to be okay, and he's getting demolished by his teammate. Right? I mean, Fernando yeah. has been. But uh, I think that's a better so result than people think of him. People yes. think that Lance Stroll is only th- there because of his dad, right? Which that's the reason he is there. But I don't think it's the only reason. I think he is better than other people we see in that position. I guess uh, he's the out of the top four teams this year. He is the lowest point uh, scoring driver. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's got like, what, a third the points of his teammate? Um, Yep. He's had again, some races. That's all Yuki bad. almost beat him. Like, what? But like, that's uh, better than people think. All right, like, you I compare guess. him to Mazepin. We compare him sure. to... Um, Mick. Not Mick. Mick, I, no. Like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, like, who's put for money? Who's put in purely for money? What was the guy's name? He's, oh. he's gone out of my head. He was at Williams forever, and we wanted him gone, and now I've completely forgotten about him. Uh, uh, mm, uh, mm. Oh, 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 Latifi. Go Tifi himself. Right. <laughs> so that's who I put Stroll against, right? Because yeah. Stroll, is, Stroll is in his position because his dad owns the team. Sure. And I'm just saying, like, he performs better, I think, than other people in the position that he's in. That's all I'm saying. Sure. Is, does he deserve to be against Fernando Alonso? No. No. You should have... Lando Norris in there. You should have mm-hmm. Pierre Gasly in there, right? Yeah. That's who should be alongside him. Of like, who's someone that can learn from Fernando? But yeah. Lance is outperforming, I think, people's expectations of him. But the Delta is showing. Yeah. You know, could they be really nipping at the heels of Red Bull if they had someone who was in fourth place? Yes. Right. That's the reason that there is that 100 point difference between them. Yeah, I just uh, I just look at it like yeah. So last time out, uh, Fernando third place. Uh, Lance ended up the race forty seconds behind Fernando in twelfth place behind Yuki. And what we've already established is probably the worst car on the grid. Yep. It just yep. it's tough for me to justify much. But look, let's not talk down about Lance anymore. Like whatever. I think my my feelings are clear about this. Let's we've sing made, the we praises. We both made our points. We both made yes, our points. Exactly. Let's sing the praises. Of El Plan, the myth, the legend, Fernando Alonso. Man, how, how nice has it been? How is this happening? It's so good. It's so. I don't understand good. how this is happening. How is this happening? He's he's a damn metronome in the car. He's like third, 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 fourth, third, 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 fourth. It's great. It's great. It's so great. And I like, don't get it. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. Like it, it mm. defies the logic. That I expected of this sport, right? Yeah, the consistency. Like, the car is clearly good. I I do think there's a real argument that you said. It has said, to be. It, yeah, yeah. It, the car is probably the second fastest car on the grid. I, I think it's pretty clear that I think he is. But also, he is putting in these unbelievably consistent race performances and just raking in the podiums. Mind you, I think when it's really going to break open is either we're going to have some kind of wacky qualifying in like Monaco or a street circuit, or, I don't know, Max and Checo are going to take each other out or some nonsense like that. I mean, that I do think has to happen for Fernando to win a race this year. But there's a lot of races out there. I think it might happen this weekend. I, I, I think, I think his best shot. I think Monaco's best shot. Because all he's got to do is get in front of them, and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's easier said than done, but it is certainly possible, as we saw last year, anything can yep. happen. 
Uh, but yeah, just uh, very little to say besides I'm thrilled with Fernando. I'm thrilled that he is absolutely crushing it. He seems happy. He seems yep. uh, like he is himself in such a like <laughs> the best great teammate way. in the world. Yeah. It's like, How's Lance doing? I love him. How <laughs> is he? You know, tell Lance he was a good overtake. You know, like wow. It's very funny. It's, I saw it on the TV screen, man. Good job. It's just he's loving it's it. It's very funny. He's loving to me. it. It's very. There's funny. all the Taylor Swift I, stuff, I, which was great too. Like just everything about Fernando is amazing. I'm. Uh, it's the best thing of the season, right? Like it's the best part of yeah. the season. But I, I'm just. Yeah. I. I am just. I don't understand how it's. I just don't understand how it's happening. Like it. It really. It doesn't make sense. And yeah. I'm. I just am floored by it. Like this isn't the way things go. Like I don't know why Aston Martin have turned out the car that they've turned out all of a sudden. Right compared to last year, it doesn't make any sense. Like how in just over the summer. Or over the yeah over the winter break they were able yeah. to turn out the second fastest car on the track when they were nowhere last year, yeah. and it doesn't make sense to me how a returning, previously retired world champion <laughs> can go to a second team post retirement, yeah, and be in the position he is in like that doesn't make any sense because like. What I have experienced is what happened to Seb when he, you know, yeah. goes to his... Like, he wasn't even coming back from retirement. He's just yeah. like, I've moved... Oh, look up. what happened to Valtteri, right? Right mm -hmm. now, you know? Like, that's what I'm used to. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it's, it, it's incredible. It, the only thing I can say uh, is that it is a team with a lot of investment, a lot of smart people on board. And one of the things that they did do smart, which someone like Mercedes or Ferrari didn't, is that they accurately realized that the car concept was wrong early last year, abandoned it, immediately started working on a much more Red Bull style mm -hmm. concept. So by mm -hmm. the time they come around to this year, they've got a lot more development done. They've kind of gone a lot farther down the sort of the, the fruitful sort of rabbit holes that they could find, you know, performance with. And there's also the advantage that because they did so bad last year, they have significantly more uh, CFD time and wind tunnel time than the other big teams. So they're able to extend yeah. that lead. Yeah, like, that's the good. system, that sliding scale system for giving you know, the lower performing teams more time and the higher performing teams less time was not designed for a team to go from seventh or eighth to second in the championship in uh, you know, a few months' uh, time. Like I just... I think that's probably giving them a little bit of an artificial boost. With that being said, they are quickly making all the right decisions with getting the works Honda deal, which I think is going to be tremendously important mm -hmm. for them. They're basically doing all the things. They're in the middle of moving into a brand new factory as we speak right now. Like everything that could go right with the team is going right with the team right now. I don't think it's going to last forever. I do think that, you know, it, part of the reason why they've been flattered so much is because. Red Bull have done so well, and honestly, Ferrari and Mercedes have kind of dropped the ball, which I think makes them look a little bit better in, in sort of context. But that being said, yeah. you could have said last year McLaren was going to make the big step. You could have said that Alpine mm -hmm. were going to make the big step, or Aston. But only one of those three teams actually made the step, and it was very, very obviously Aston who have completely yep. deserved it. That is a very good assessment, and I would say the only thing I'd add to it is they did not have the arrogance that Mercedes did, for example. Mm -hmm. Right, yep. where Mercedes were like, no, no, we just needed one more year, right, for our concept. Yeah. We, and we're going to get it. We just need to tweak it a little bit and we're going to get it but right. Mike, they got it even more wrong. 
Have you seen the numbers in the wind tunnel? This car is yeah. so fast. Don't worry about how fast it is actually. The numbers, the numbers, follow the numbers. Yeah. It's like, well, oops. Something happened and we don't know fully what happened, but it happened. And yeah, like Aston Martin were, were willing to make big changes where Mercedes weren't at the right time. Now they're willing yeah. to make those changes and it's it's too late for this year. Where if Mercedes would have made the changes that they're about to make last year, then maybe we would be looking at a way different lineup now. We don't yeah. know that, right? Yeah. But they weren't then, willing to do it, so they kind of played themselves. And here's the thing. So I don't know if you've seen the photos uh, j just this morning. You I know, have. We've seen uh, a little bit. And you can see that they've clearly gone for a little bit more of like a Red Bull style of car, or well, really what everyone else has done. But you look at that beside the Aston Martin. And the Aston has, it, like, it looks like it's like a three-generation newer device or newer, newer car. Yeah. It's like the Mercedes looks like it's like, oh, they just kind of bolted this thing on and they're like, this is version yeah. one where, you know, Aston Martin have taken the time and they've you know, sort of committed to that sort of development rabbit hole and they've yeah. found a ton of performance in it, right? So it's just, I don't think Mercedes is going to be particularly fast this weekend, but also I don't think we're really going to see a super fast Mercedes this year, realistically. I think no, we won't, they no. need to no. start working down this, but use it as next year as the jumping off point. But, you know, once you fall behind... I think by the got, end of the season, they could be... They will be fighting closer with Aston Martin, I think. Maybe. Maybe. No, I mean, I I'm know. not saying that they're going to be, like, fighting it out. I'm just like, closer, right? Because there is a big difference between those two cars right now, and I could imagine yeah. them getting closer... Because like, I was reading today on the F1 website, they had a good breakdown of like what was going on with the Mercedes that we've seen so far. And it's like they're actually closer in design to Ferrari because mm -hmm. they can't do the Red Bull style because yeah. the car won't fit the side pot. Like it won't work because yeah. the body and the way that they have distributed the, the shape of the car in general for their concept means they could not do what Red Bull and Aston have done. So like yeah. none of that can happen until next year. But I, I just feel like if what they're seeing is seeing a difference, that's why I think that they would get closer because I mean, they're already right behind them, you know? So yeah. like in the standings, so I could imagine more fighting between those teams, between Aston and Mercedes, if Mercedes can take a leap but we'll have to wait and see. Let's yeah. finish it out by talking about the obvious winner, Red Bull, 224 points. <laughs> they look absolutely unbeatable. We have Max Verstappen at 119 points, but the thing I find most interesting is Sergio Perez at 105. Yeah. All I want in the world now is <laughs> what Red Bull can give me, which is I want a championship fight this year. I want it. Just give me it between them. That's what I yeah, want. Yeah, I would love to see that too. I, I, look, I got all the the faith in the world in my boy Checo. Mm -hmm. I don't think he can sustain a challenge against Max the whole. You're probably year. right. I think you're right. I'm just saying. I want you know. I love the to see closest it. that we're gonna get for a championship battle exists within Red Bull. Yep. And and I think some of the drama of the season will be if Red Bull will allow it. Like, that's going to be the yeah. really interesting thing, right? Like, yeah. so far, it's been fine. There hasn't mm -hmm. been any drama. And yeah. everyone seems to be okay with each other. I have, I would just state for the record, a new uh, uh, low feeling about Max Verstappen. After oh, the another way, one. Well, it's the whole thing with George. Was it uh, in Azerbaijan? Yeah. Yep. I Look, just man. think there are certain ways to conduct yourself and... <laughs> 
You know, it's fine. That was I, my I feel boy. Like we're clearly not massive Max fans. I think it's uh, everyone who's watching or listening knows. Uh, I think uh, th- there was a clip I saw on stream of Max who uh, his DRS wasn't working. I forget. Was it in Australia? I don't remember, but it was not working. So um, Red Bull gave him the actual DRS a- actuator, but it was in like a like aluminum like uh, Red Bull can. So they basically like made like the sculpture and it's like, oh, you know, good luck with DRS next time or whatever. And I saw that and I'm like, this is cute. And like, you know, I'm sure that Max thought it was hilarious and, you know, oh, it's all good. You know, things happen. But like, it feels like the kind of like gift you get for like a really spoiled rich child who like their birthday party was ruined. So you go out and have like some like master craftsman design them some insanely like complicated yep. overwrought thing just to make them feel better. I, I just, I saw it and I just like, Max like, ha look at this neat thing. It's really cool. As he sets it down, there's still like his world driver's cup trophy on his computer as he's sim racing. It's just like, Look, man, I'm I'm happy for you, but it just it felt like that sort of like rich kid gift. That just like, man, you know that Red Bull are out there just trying, just like, hey, Max is making us so much money. He's doing so good. Keep him happy at all costs. Yeah, it's this. It's Ugh. just the whole thing. Like the whole thing with George was frustrating to me. Was like, of course, if you just give it one more lap, Max, you would mm. take him. Yeah, I don't understand why. He drives in such a such a way which is so aggressive <laughs> at all times. Like that's what I He's find. He's got a little bit better like, this year. He's got a little bit better. He has, but that particular one was just like it was just yeah. like a weird thing to me. But whatever. I, I just didn't like the way that the whole thing went down, and it was just like another of those situations, like with the Checo thing, where he last season where he was wouldn't um, mm-hmm. wouldn't observe yeah, the, the team orders. Yep. That. It, it kind of just showed to me like it's like an enforcement of what I believe him yep. to be. But anyway, yeah. So, but what I'll say is it is undeniable how good he is, right? Like, of course. It's it's you know, and and as and I stand by what I said last time. Like, I'm happy that he's got that second world championship, which yeah. is an undeniable world championship, yep. and he'll pick up a third. But. Yep. What I would love to see is Sergio Perez pick it up. That's what I want. And it's just going to be very interesting to see if and how the season progresses. I think that Sergio is picking up. Max kind of can't. Like, there is no further for him to excel. He is operating perfectly. The only thing that can change for Max Verstappen is the mind games. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure right now he does not like that Sergio is 14 points behind him. Yeah. Like that is that is a now race currently race to race difference, right? Like yeah, it is. Whoever's first and second right now is gonna you know they're gonna flip flop around and yeah, very close. Going into Monaco. <laughs> Didn't, wasn't great for him last, you know. Like there are things like that where I'm like, what is his mental game like? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I don't know because I feel like he doesn't deal very well with these kinds of things. Like, him and Lewis in 21 wasn't great. Like, uh, I yeah. think Max was very upset, and I think drove upset a lot. Right, mm-hmm. and and. He ended up edging it out, and then this past year has no challenge. And I wonder what a Verstappen Perez challenge is like. And I hope it's something we see. Realistically, though, I don't expect it to happen. But I would love it if it did. 
I'm sure we will see fireworks. We may not see that sustained title challenge throughout the year. I'm sure we will see fireworks, whether uh, Monaco stuff gets spicy or whatever it is. We've still got a lot of races to go, but it's an sure interesting do. season, man. I will say, like, it's not my favorite season. I think we've had, we've been spoiled over the last few years with some of the stuff. Like, I think 2021 is and will remain to be one of my favorite seasons of all time. Like, it was absolutely It's probably unreal. the best season of all time, right? That's what like, everybody it's says. Be, it's like, it's, it's out it there. It's completely classic last year was still good because we had the brand new cars we had ferrari ascendant and then descendant and we had you know red bull obviously eventually sort of sweeping it now i think we're settling into a little bit more of a quote-unquote normal season like we had for all those years with mercedes dominance where it's like oh if you want to have a good time ignore the top two guys and you know focus on the rest of the field And i think that's kind of what we're seeing this year that being yep. said though thank goodness for Fernando Alonso and Aston for spicing yep. up 2023 so it's not an yep. actual snooze fest. I just look forward to the season actually getting started. I just don't think yeah. it's getting started. There just hasn't yep. been a consistency. You know, we had like race one, two weeks to race two, two weeks to race three, then like an entire month to race four, and then a week yeah. to race five. And now it's two weeks to race six. You know, so like we've been like... So I'll be happy when the races actually begin. And then before we know it, we're at summer break. So, Yeah, no kidding, man. It's like they come <laughs> quick. Yeah. But we'll be back later on in the season uh, for more reviews of how things are going. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Backmarkers. Until then, say goodbye, Austin Evans. Goodbye, my friends. And until the next time that Mike conveniently parks his car at the exit of the corner before I go into the tunnel and ruins my qualifying and I get really grumpy about it. Goodbye. <laughs>